I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Belinda blinked. And here we have the rankings. 14. Mistress Sweet Juice. This Parisian mademoiselle is the roly-poly, food-obsessed, flump-tailed star attraction at the Moulin Maron. Oh, you haven't heard of it, bloody tourist. Rocky is a champion for body positivity, reminding us that all ages, shapes and sizes can be sexy. And when that bundle of balloons descended from the ceiling, Mistress Sweet Juice proved to be his strongest statement on the subject. Spare a thought for the cleaners, though. Bite-sized pieces of ham, cheese and baguette are a nightmare to get rid of. Sweet Juice has chosen not to follow society's norms, and I'm here for it. She's also chosen not to follow modern science's pesky recommendations about refrigerating dairy products, and I leave that question up to the individual reader. Rocky's Comment Mistress perhaps now madame, as she's made the big time by appearing, one night only, in the series. Note, I don't count a rogue appearance as a talent spotter in a pretty low-budget English pantomime as a proper assignment. No, Mrs Sweet Juice is, as her description, a lovely person who has made acting with wires her signature talent. The pieces of ham, cheese and French bread falling all around were actually a mistake as they were her lunch. Unfortunately, the degradable plastic bag she carried them in decided to biodegrade at the wrong time. But as we all can appreciate, that is how genius appears. It's now, of course, the crescendo to her new act which is proving very popular with the Parisienne public. It seems to me Marie Antoinette should have forgotten the let them eat cake line and gone with Sweet Juice's interpretation of let them eat cheese, ham and bread. Now, there's a thought. 13. Sir James Godwin 
Part 1 After his wife died in a tragic parachute accident, Sir James could have given up his ambitions and given in to his grief. Instead, he committed his life to raising funds for the asses and donkeys of the world while building steels into the second largest distributor of pots and pans in Europe. Next stop, overtaking Haido Saki. With a voice that puts him somewhere between Boris Johnson and Prince Philip, may he rest in peace, and the power to bring down governments if traffic on the roads gets too much, Sir James has always been somewhat cantankerous. But he seemed to be on Team Belinda until his astonishing behaviour in the Season 6 finale. I'm highly tempted to toss him further down these rankings. But he's been cagey before. Compare with the time when he feigned a heart attack to get Belinda to Australia. So I highly suspect that this is all a wheeze, as Rocky would say. And the truth about his attitude and his wife's death would be worth the wait. Rocky's Comment Sir James is an interesting character in the series, and not just because he's at number 13. As the senior in the boardroom, he really shouldn't be carrying as much plot as he does. But he's totally fascinating, and there's so much backplot to catch up with. If we start at the beginning, well, here it is. Sir James Godwin, February 1963. The weather was cold. No, not cold. Freezing. The youngish James Godwin looked at his specially manufactured sub-zero fluorescent watch. There was thankfully only thirty minutes to go. He put down his sniper's rifle and blew on his hands. He knew he had to keep them supple. His objective demanded it. He picked up the rifle and looked through the state-of-the-art telescopic sights where everything was magnified two hundred times. He calmly scanned the footpath 153 feet below him, pausing only at the sexually flightish woman selling candles. She'd been there for two hours now, but more importantly, she'd sold nothing. Nada. Nix. Even with her stunning looks. She was either going to starve, or she was undercover. Yes, undercover. Now, whilst James Godwin had been an operative for only three months, he was no Dumbo. He'd done his homework, and he knew that the best operatives the Soviets had always hid in plain sight. A sexually attractive woman selling candles was a superb cover, even for the commies. Wolfgang Bisch was glad he'd wrapped up real tight, as this was his first operation where he had control of a couple of operatives. Two females, both like himself, Berliners. East Berliners come to that. One largish and one flighty. He didn't care. He was in control. Over the past couple of months in training school, he'd learned that purpose was all about control. Indeed, if you really thought about it, control was purpose. He shook the brainwashing thoughts out of his head. He was here to neutralise, and the foreign agent he was after was very close. But where? On the street, the flighty Birgit groaned. She'd now been fully in place for well over two hours. What the fuck was Bish doing, or not doing? He was an imbecile. Everyone in training school knew this. Why was he leading the operation? It just didn't make sense. Birgit felt frustrated. She hadn't sold a candle. Fuck it, she hadn't even made eye contact with anyone who wanted to buy a candle. That meant it had to be a shootout, and from her training, she was the most exposed. She knew at that moment, if she stayed there, 
she was going to die. Besides, it was too cold, and no sensible candle-seller would be out on the street. She'd become suspicious to even any casual onlooker, never mind a trained foreign agent. And her training told her so. Up on the ledge, James Godwin felt the first flecks of snow tickle his neck. Fuck it, he thought. Even the elements are against me. But Godwin was not one to deviate from instructions, and the man he was sent to cancel out had not yet shown his face. But James' window of escape only remained open for another twenty-three minutes. The town hall clock was ticking, and he started to slightly sweat, even in the intense cold. The street scene changed. A dazzling, slightly older woman walked past the candle-seller, turned and repaced her steps. "'Do you sell candles?' the candle-seller gasped and said. "'Yeah, I have a large collection. But you are so beautiful. Why are you doing this job?' The candle-seller agent blushed. The older woman exuded a sense of awe. She was obviously experienced in all the laws of sex. But why was she saying this? Was she yet another agent?' A double bluff from Bish, or a second British agent, perhaps. It's what my family do. We sell candles, she blustered, sticking to her spy story training under the aura of this mysterious woman. I see. Would you like to sell your body in Amsterdam with me now? No going back. What do you think? You can call me Zara. The candle seller stood up stiffly and pocketed her revolver. She'd had enough. Bish could go to hell. She was going to Amsterdam to sell her body and possibly a few candles in the right place for real money and the opportunity to suck the hell out of this stranger's tits. Birgit blinked. To be continued. 13. Sir James Godwin Part 2 Birgit blinked. James Godwin noted the exit of the candle seller with the flirtatious older woman. This was unusual, he thought. He'd better be extra careful. The commies were obviously up to something so devious even training school hadn't seen what was coming next. He tightened his grip on his rifle and concentrated even harder. Even so, he thought briefly about Special Agent Maya and how he'd screwed her so hard into the bed that morning, and then how she'd satisfied him so deeply that he was late in leaving the safe house. He shook his head, and his squinting eye swept the grey concrete buildings opposite, looking for his quarry. Wolfgang Bisch was now openly fuming. What the fuck was Agent Berger doing leaving her post in the middle of a critical operation with this flashy woman? It was suicide for him. He'd planned for her to take the bullets, and now she'd just pissed off. Bish swore profusely and lit a cigarette. Godwin saw the match flare two hundred metres away, and instantly took the shot. Bish cried out in pain as the bullet ricocheted against the concrete wall and ended up in his upper arm. He'd been wounded and even worse, it hadn't even been a clean shot. Shards of concrete were the worst. He shouted out in agony and passed out. James Godwin broke the rifle down into its constituent pieces and stuffed them into concealed pockets under his clothing. He'd astutely decided earlier that morning to do without the carrying case. It would be too obvious. That decision saved his life. He exited the building and pulled his Soviet-style cap down over his eyes. He instantly froze. 
A largest East German woman with gimlet eyes wearing heavy black shoes glanced at him as she shuffled past the front door of the apartment block. The snow was starting to lie, and her dragging footprints stood out as warning signs to any competent spy. James Godwin had now passed into that category. His mission accomplished, all he had to do was execute his exit plan. "'Oh, James, you are such a tease!' Back in London, James Godwin turned over in the bed and looked at his latest girlfriend, Julia, full in the eye. "'You're calling me a tease, Julia. Are you sure you want to continue in this vein?' "'Yes, you are a tease. You never tell me about your work. You disappear off without a moment's notice, and you come back all beaten up. I just can't believe you. If I didn't know you were a professional sports person, I'd say you were a spy.' James laughed and grabbed Julia's tits. Come on, troublemaker, let's give you a right proper lesson in spycraft. James rolled over on top of her and put his hand onto her vagina. She squealed ever so gently and acquiesced to his advances. Her clit moistened and he put his lips to her labia. His tongue moved slowly up and down, continuing to tease her. Julia lay back, relaxed, and opened her legs further. She was going to enjoy this. James blinked. Wolfgang Bisch lay in his hospital bed. The surgeon colonel had just finished his visit, and the news was not good. His upper arm would never fully heal. Mould growing on the concrete wall where the lone bullet had initially hit, together with the concrete fragments, had started a chain reaction with his red blood cells. The rest was down to nature and the surgeon's skill. Bish's mind worked over time. The Western agent had to die, and he wouldn't rest until he'd tracked him down and shot him like a dog in the gutter. Bish blinked. 12. Lieutenant George Sylvester, also known as Georgie Porgy, also known as Giles Cotton's birth. To quote James Cooper, why is George Sylvester the most fleshed-out character in the Belinda Blinked books? Can we blame George for his traumatic back history? After his mother succumbed to yellow fever, George grew up in the care of his stiff, upper-lip father, a military veteran who only wanted a similar life for his two sons. His brother Tony was in the secretive SAS for a few years, but was always more interested in business than family, and was never around for him during those traumatic teenage years. So George joined the military just to make all the pain go away. Instead, in his later career, he was kidnapped in Africa whilst working for a mercenary outfit codenamed Green Sword International and held for ransom a ransom which, astoundingly, Colonel Sylvester refused to pay, or didn't have the resources to pay, leaving his son presumed dead. In his weakened physical and psychological state, he suffered Stockholm Syndrome, and Lieutenant George was recruited by the terrorists. Between that and being cursed with a tight frenulum of prepuce of penis, one could argue that the mongrel from Manchester never had a choice. George gave us some of the series' most self-aware lines, and he helped string out the Bish arc over three books because of his gross incompetence. 
Sadly, that same finulum is no more, brutally snapped off at gunpoint, causing what can only have been an agonising death. I can't believe I just wrote that sentence. Rocky's Comment Hey Sammy, at number 12 in the rankings, I thought you would be getting used to those sort of sentences. This, after all, is Belinda Blinked. Do you now feel like Jamie does? Every day is a new learning curve. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, Georgie Porgy, as encapsulated in a song by many songsmiths when the capture of Professor Slints was podcasted, is another deep dive of a character. Pack your bags and slints. I wanted to bring in our family background of having lived in Manchester, UK, for, let's say, nearly 35 years. Not that any of us were involved in the military or, God forbid, the business of criminality. Is being a regional sales manager criminal? Some would say yes, others no. Perhaps going to the club theatre every Saturday morning and learning acting is. Georgie is the brother from hell. He's obviously always been difficult, but when your family gets a $2 million ransom note, well, what would you do? The fact that they buried the situation and walked away perhaps says more about Georgie than anything else. He was troubled from the word go. By the time we get the tap-tapping on the stone flags at the back of the church, where his brother is getting married, and a couple of sentences before that, Belinda communing with God and him nodding in reply, well, we're on to a helter-skelter of future timelines. Add the Jim Sterling incident with the wedding cake, and you can see that the story was really getting out of control. Literally, a writer's nightmare. Georgie Porgy was then revealed to have stolen his mother's new bride, and between them, the Trioxybrillo range pots and pans blueprints. How much deeper could he have plunged the knife of revenge into Tony's heart, I dare not say. In a final series of twists, the story switched internationally, namely Australia, where he committed his deepest sin, the death of James Spooner, beloved for some time by Belinda. From there, Georgie Porgy, the character, goes rapidly downhill. Reduced to a nonentity called Giles Cotton's birth, it was obvious his end was nigh. How fitting it was that the Glee team were there to see his final destruction at the hands of another unknown Bish protégé. Now, Sammy, whilst that last sentence was difficult, it was so, so necessary and apt. Business is brutal, Sammy. 11. James Spoons Spooner, also known as Mr. James T., the much-honoured Laird of Gretna Green. We discovered as early as the Book 4 finale that Spooner was just a bit shit. In spite of Sandy McShawn Connery and possessing an enviable array of gadgets, fold-out wet wipes, anyone? Spooner failed to identify the special one, failed to catch the special one, failed to protect slints, failed to save the blueprints, failed to notice the two traitors folding a body into the trunk of their car right in front of him, failed to capture the sickly bish at the slosh, Failed to rescue Belinda and Bella from Jailman. Failed to clarify to his many ex-wives the order in which he had last slept with them. Do I need to go on? Apart from successfully tutoring Agent Smithy Blumenthal in the ways of spycraft, I'm not sure Spooner was worth his fee. 
Perhaps if I wanted an apartment made from croissants, but that's a different skill entirely. But also, R.I.P. Spoons. He's strumming his E-class lyre in heaven now. Once a year, I get up my spoons and play Mozart's Requiem at the end of my driveway for you. Hope he didn't forget Peggy Loveleaf in his will. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rocky's comment. Whilst it's in my mind, I'm really glad Peggy Loveleaf didn't make the ratings. My Chardonnay befuddled mind has to ask, did she even make the books? Never mind. The real subject is James Spooner. Did anyone ever get the double zero in the way his name was spelt? Probably not, but it proves he was born to be a double O. Personally, I really enjoyed the part Spooner played in the books. As Sammy noted, he started out so well as an IT professional and, well, it just went downhill all the way. Perhaps it was just a wrong career choice. He should have joined a photocopier maintenance company and developed a skill for rescuing beleaguered key account managers from carbonising themselves. But MI6 called and Spoons was not found to be lacking. His very name totally suited the assignment. Spoons, pots and pans. Perhaps I should introduce a villain named Fork or Knife. Whatever, it was a very sad time for me when I realised that he was no more fit for purpose. His death was inevitable. Sammy, you've called it. He failed at virtually every opportunity. Why he could have saved three books worth of dialogue if he'd caught out Giselle at that water-pumping works in North London. Did someone shout, Cricklewood? In the literary world, it's always hard to kill off one of the major characters in a book, mainly because you cannot bring them back again. I know that many authors do by going back in time or some such other technique, but I feel that that is cheating the reader or listener. I've always thought that the Christmas special where he assists Belinda in assessing the true impact of her life on earth on the people around her was as close as I'd get to his revival. But to be honest, perhaps his character suits that of being a ghost, surrounded by swirling mist as he helps Belinda manoeuvre her way through her torrid task of being head of Bish Hurstelung. There's one big flaw in all of this, though, and it's one of Alice's favourite comments. Where is the sex? Yes, it's pretty difficult for a ghost to have sex with someone still on this earth. But I suppose I should try and push the sexual taboo boundaries just a bit further. To be honest, 
I do have a sneaking, deep-felt admiration for Spoons, and his tootling around heaven on his 50cc lyre. He could so easily have let Belinda have her way and die. That way they'd both be ghosts and no doubt sexually compatible. Perhaps God has strict rules about post-death sexual activity. No doubt we'll all find out in our own time. But for now, I'm still plotting Spooner's afterlife and how he can still play his part in Belinda's future, or not. As I'm currently writing Book 10, I can't give too much away, though my current timelines extend past Book 11. But Sammy, I didn't know you played the spoons. With me on the harmonica and your talent, we could lay down a couple of tracks, no problem. Will you go, lassie, go? 10. Jailman a man of simple pleasures, and I for the shealers, and a penchant for long narratives. Am I talking about Rocky Flintstone or Jailman? Agatha Christie created her own doppelganger in the character of Ariadne Oliver. Cervantes and Martin Amis wrote themselves into their works, and Jailman seems like another in that long line of authors inspired by themselves. I know Rocky claims to most identify with Sir James Godwin, the alleged puppet master, but this Australian raconteur feels like a closer match to me. Next time I'm stuck on an endless road trip, or hot air balloon ride, all I'll need is a hot cup of spiced water noodles and some jail man stories, and I'm set. Perhaps the less said the better about his relationship with the big book of clink procedures. Rocky's comment. The top ten. Well, this is where the big characters hang out. And for a character who only spoke a handful of words, Jailman is really hitting above his weight. A contractor to Herbish, I do hope he got paid for his sordid duties in keeping two English beauties locked up in his clink. Of course, he surpassed his initial job description of just keeping jail by interning the internationally famous spy James Spooner in a bit of quick jail-door ballet. It proved to be Spooner's last mistake as shortly after he was dead from George's knife attack. Pity jailman couldn't have played fair and kept his prisoner alive just a little bit longer. But it wasn't to be, and if I truly am jailman in the books, I wouldn't want to be the slob he so obviously is. Give me a smartly dressed Des Martin or Patrick O'Hamlin any day of the week, please, Sammy. Of course, if Jailman wants a bit of assistance in self-publishing his massive repertoire of smutty stories, then it would be churlish of me not to assist. So on a positive note, let's wait and see what Jailman's got up his sleeve. Just clinking. 9. Giselle, Marshcultural Weird, De Klops, also known as The Special One. Prior to season six, Giselle would not have made my top ten. She was a traitor to the cause, committing flagrant betrayal and grim atrocities, all in the name of raising funds for experimental research into one of the less publicised and less pronounceable dermatological conditions. Realising the seriousness of the situation for her former Glee team pals, the bald one chose to redeem herself, although indications are that Steeles is still feeling pretty cautious about her. I say they should be more sympathetic. As we've seen with her fellow turncoats, Maeve and George, there's usually a tragic backstory, and I think Giselle is no different. Remember that we didn't know about her genital disease until the McDonough brothers came along. 
No one did. Not Tony, not Belinda. Doesn't this suggest that she was deeply sexually unsatisfied? Living a humdrum existence, lying awake in her bedsit each night, longing for the kind of unfettered, kinky, exhibitionist behaviour that her traditional Belgian-slash-Dutch family had suppressed in her. Giselle had dreams, and they were left empty and unfulfilled. When we consider it from this angle, was it all not wrong for her to betray her best friends, her husband, her employer, and her country? To cause multiple deaths? to maintain an ongoing pen-pal relationship with a psychopath? If you've never thought about doing any of the above, I'd be surprised. Having said that, Giselle's rehabilitation isn't confirmed just yet, so this is a tentative position on the leaderboard. But with a little faith and confidence born of her new Vidal bassoon wig, Giselle could still make it from PA to managing director in five years. One can only hope. Rocky's comment. Hope. Yes, that's what keeps us all going, and Giselle needs tons and tons of it. The problem is she's been sidelined in the Steel's Pots and Pounds hierarchy. I do not see Tony promoting her to managing director any time soon, if ever. No, all Giselle has left is hope. I am, however, pleased that she's back in the Glee team. Belinda and Bella enjoy themselves much more raucously when Giselle is around. OK, she's always got a sarcastic comment to make about one or other of the other two, but deep down she's still a friend. Or is she? Giselle is always going to look out for herself, and if things don't happen her way, then she'll use all her skill set to change the situation. That's just the way she is, and nothing's gonna change that any time soon. As you all know, the Glee team are the glue in the Steels organisation, always pissed after 4pm, up for a good time, and ready to strip off for any opportunity where pots and pans sales can be increased. Truly loyal employees, but just when we get them back together again, another one leaves. This time it's Belinda. Of course, I'm sure they'll remain friends, but new company rivalries will make it more difficult. Perhaps they'll meet up when Belinda flies into the UK on business. After all, the Pentra is ideally situated for this to happen pretty regularly. Speaking of which, Sally, why is the Pentra not in these rankings? Surely it's got more character than, let's say, Jailman? At the very worst, it's had more words written about the place than Jailman has ever had. It's just a question. Sammy, can I live in hope? So, Giselle Marshakoweld de Klotz is still an unknown entity, and her story has a long way to go, unlike Bella, who has probably peaked. See below. Giselle's surname is also the longest of all the characters, and that was deliberate. It made calling her the special one an utter delight, as I still to this day cannot spell her full name without referring to the first time I wrote it down. The same was true for Herstelung, but thankfully I've now mastered that one. Giselle, for me, is a tortured soul crying out for deliverance from all the wrongs of her life to date. Joining the Glee team, marrying Tony, meeting George, suffocating slints, working for Bish, stealing Bish's money, travelling to Australia, wearing a wig, rejoining Steele's pots and pans. But it all makes for an intoxicating future, and we need to ask, what else can she cock up in her life? For those of you who are about to ask the obvious question... No, she is not a member of Kulk, and never will be. 8. Agent Helga Jonker
Helga was compelling from her debut appearance, emerging from her cupboard to whip up her famous mayonnaise, and she went full method during her first encounter with Belinda, convincingly portraying a frumpy sexual novice with incredibly efficient skills of contract document binding. Since then, she has offered surprise after surprise, revealing herself to be an FBI angel with a penchant for astonishing undercover work. Frail crone, background welder, the woman can do it all. She's had some less brilliant moments too. Her willingness to let a stranger up to her hotel room while hiding out from a bad spy guy wasn't great. And if there was ever a time to go without a bit of slap and tickle, it's when you're revealing time-sensitive insider information in the toilets during a wedding. But as we know, moles who've been undercover for a long time start to make sloppy mistakes. Can't blame her. Given that Bish and co. have been put to rights, this may be the last we see of this sassy Yankee southerner. Or whatever she was, the voice wasn't all that consistent, but it was a good time while it lasted. Rocky's Comment Deep cover in plain sight is the best way any surveillance should be. Ask anyone in the espionage business. That's why I so enjoyed the later discovered fact that not only was Helga playing this game, but her boss, Dr. Robbins, was as well. Little has been made of this amazing coincidence, and I just wanted to put it out there. However, I suspect the FBI chiefs might now be reassessing Helga's unique abilities in the field, and surely a recall back to Langley is well overdue. Indeed, seeing she has good contacts with Belinda and her MI6 boss, the Duchess, promotion seems overdue. After all, both sides need to keep the old alliance alive and kicking. Let's take a look at those abilities in the following FBI report about her boss, Dr. Robbins, also known as Wayne Burt. United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Field Office Local Attaches, Amsterdam. Classification, Confidential. Case file number 76AM18. Activity classification 76. Escaped federal prisoner. Subject Dr. Robbins Peter. Nationality American. Crime Fraud against USA Army units of the Rhine. Zone of operation Europe. Copy to Director FBI Washington, D.C. Date 7793. Agent, Helga Jonker. Synopsis. Dr. Peter Robbins is purchasing director of Ross Supermarkets based in Amsterdam. He is my immediate boss in this organisation. My role in this company is part of my deep cover in Europe, and it is through it I have uncovered this extraordinary crime. In his job as purchasing director, Dr. Robbins receives many approaches for the supply of goods. These pass through my office. The offer of 10 million cans of tin beans from the U.S. Army of the Rhine was my first piece of incriminating evidence. Dr. Robbins signed the purchase order and the goods were duly shipped to the Ross supermarket chain over a period of two years. I have been unable to discover where the payments have arrived. Further investigation of Dr. Robbins has meanwhile unearthed an uncanny likeness to an escaped federal prisoner from the U.S. Army of the Rhine. This prisoner named Wayne Burt, working in the quartermaster section, was waiting transportation back to the U.S. on fraud charges when he escaped just over 12 years ago. 
My investigations are still at an early stage and are thus inconclusive. Forward action. To continue investigating Dr. Robin's wine bird. To send the information to our fraud section regarding the payments for the tinned beans. Investigate the Wayne Burt fraud case and evidence against him. Washington, D.C. Action Request Permission to advance scrutiny of Unsub and his past misdemeanors in the U.S. Army. Send fraud section in New York payment information. Copies to Washington, file case number 76HQ5297, Bureau New York Overseas Station, file case number 76NY276. Amsterdam Field Office, file case number 76AM18. So there you have it, an FBI agent in action. But we must also understand that whilst Royce Supermarkets purchased 10 million cans of beans, Wayne was also supplying his own fast food shops known as Burt's Baked Beans throughout East Germany. To be honest, that could well be another 30 million cans. Some scam. Come on, Helga, full marks. At least you got there with Belinda's help in the end. So, if you like the style of my podcast, then I'd like to get you the special gift for the Belinda Blinked fan in your life. I will record your message in the same style as my podcast, Rocky Finstone Unleashed. So... Hi, Jamie Morton. Rocky Flintstone here, just wishing you a very, very happy birthday. Enjoy your day and see you soon. Cheers! You can get this a great, unique present from my Etsy store, Rocky's Pavilion, all one word. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Ciao! on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.